Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Um, and, and, and really in the same breath, what I want to talk about today as we go through the book of 1 John is some interesting stuff that what John is telling us about the kingdom of heaven and about the kingdom of this earth, right? So before we dive into that, can we just pray, just kind of calm our spirits, our soul, and just ask God to speak with us. Jesus, we love you so much, God. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be known as we dive into your scripture, Lord, the living word of God. Your word says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, that it pierced straight through to our soul. And I pray, Father, that this word, your word, would do that this morning. In your name we pray, amen. So if you have your Bible, we're going to have it up on the screen. I'm going to be reading in 1 John, I'm going to be in chapter 2, starting at verse 7. And if you've missed these last two weeks, I'd encourage you to go back. We have it on our podcast and on our YouTube, just to to follow along with us, because we want to dive deeper as followers of Jesus. Something I've been praying about, I shared the last two weeks, it's like, okay, we're four years old, we're a little baby, but we're growing and we need to be nurtured. Yes, but we also need to start having some solid food. So summertime, usually people that are super committed go to church. And so I was just like, we're going to dive into this. We're going to go into 1 John, into an actual book, and we're going to learn about this. So we're at John, 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 7. It says this, Dear friends, John says, I'm writing you, I'm not writing you a new command, but I'm writing you an old one. And he's talking about the, what he previously said about keeping God's commands. He says, you've heard this from the beginning, and this old command is the message you've heard. And he says, yet I'm writing you a new command now. Its truth is seen in him, in God, in Jesus, and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. That's a heavy word this morning. Anyone who loves their neighbor or their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But, verse 11, but anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. And then he jumps into verse 12 of saying why he's writing this. He says, I'm writing you children because you sin. You have sinned but you've been forgiven on Jesus' account. I'm writing to you fathers because you know who he is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young man, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. And I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. In the last three verses, do not love the world, John says, or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does, the will of God lives forever. This is a a really heavy passage of scripture this morning, and if I were to title it, it would be Love for the Kingdom of God. You know, as I've been praying and processing and thinking about this, really this entire book, uh, John over and over and over is trying to say something to not only the church of Ephesus, but the church at large in modern day Turkey, right? 
and Asia Minor, that time, and that's a big expansion of, of an area that John, as an apostle, is writing to the church at large, and he's seeing things take place for those who follow Jesus and those who claim to know Jesus. And again, one of the things he's, he's saying over and over and over again is, this is how you know you have eternal assurance that you're, when you pass away, you will be in eternity. This is how you know. And over and over and over again, he brings up this word love. Uses symbolic language, which is very common to John, which, by the way, John, many theologians believe he actually wrote this, 1 John, but John actually wrote the book of Revelation. When you read the book of Revelation, it's a lot of similes, and it's a lot of metaphors, and it's a lot of interesting language. And so he uses this kind of this, this literary analysis as he's writing in symbolic form, darkness and light, right? Good and evil. And as I look at this, I was thinking about this. This message is not just for our community, but it's really for me as well. So I'm with you on this. But I was thinking about this, about the church and about the persecution that we might have here in America. And I was thinking that it's not so much persecution from the world, what we're experiencing here in church or here in America, but... That's not our greatest challenge, by the way. Me preaching the gospel, I'm not going to be taken off stage and potentially have my head cut off, right? We live in America, that's not going to happen. So there's, there's persecution, of course, but not like we see in other countries. In other countries, if you preach the gospel, you can die. I would argue that the greatest challenge right now is seduction by the world, it's being pulled into what is this kingdom of the earth and what it has to offer us. And again, I'm, I'm coming for me this morning, and I'm also coming for all of us. But John really is coming at all of us. But he's saying, hey, there's this seduction of the world, church. And the seduction is pulling us in, and there's this persecution, not by us being killed by following Jesus, but there's this seduction of us being killed because of our brokenness but more importantly, because of our sin and our habitual sin, meaning we do it and do it and do it and do it. And the worst thing is like when you know you're doing something wrong when it comes to the command of God and you do it anyway. And then it becomes repetition. And then you're like, oh, I got grace. Romans, you know, it's, I'm saved by grace. And then there's this license to sin type of thing. And we deceive ourselves. John's saying, don't be deceived. I'm telling myself this all the time, Sammy, you cannot be deceived. You know, one of the, the most terrifying scriptures of verses I think pastors talk about a lot, hopefully you've processed it and looked at it yourself, is when Jesus says, many will come to me, like pastors will come to me, disciples of Jesus will come to me, those who worked really hard inside the church and served really well, which that's all good, they'll come to me and say, I, I did all these things in your name, like in the name of Jesus. I baptized people. I casted out demons. I did all these amazing things. And Jesus will then respond. The Father will then respond. Go away from me, you evildoer. I, I, I never knew you. That passage terrifies me. So I don't know. We, we can go through the theology, once saved, always saved. I'm not interested in that right now. That's, that's a, that's a sub-type of question. What, I, what I'm after here is, where are you on a regular basis with following Jesus? Is your heart right or is it not right? Are you, are you drawn to the things of this world or are you drawn to the things of the kingdom of heaven? And that's what we're after here. 
Charles H. Spurgeon, who wrote this, like, he passed away in the late 1800s, he says this, he said, I believe that one reason why the church of God at this present moment, this was years ago, has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. I'm like, dang, man, that's still true today. He wrote this like 18, in 1800 something. Like we're so pulled by the things of this world that sometimes if we're looking at distinctions, is there a distinction of being a follower of Jesus, abiding in his love and who he is, listening to his commands and obeying the commands out of love, not out of obligation, is there a distinction between someone who says, I'm not a follower of Jesus, I could care less about God, and someone who says, I love Jesus, I could care everything about God? Is there a distinction? I I would say there should be, right? Like logically, the scripture makes it clear there should be a massive distinction, by the way. And I don't know if there is at times. And only that's between you and God, but... Is there a distinction in your walk with Jesus for those that follow the kingdom of this earth and the kingdom of this, of heaven? So I'm afraid even in my own life at times, this is for me as well, that there is no distinction at times between the kingdom of this world and then the kingdom of heaven. Studies show over and over, I was just like sitting for like, if you just go to barna.com, there's like this wealth of knowledge of people that have done so much work on statistics for the church and culture Studies after studies after studies show that there are those who live, the the lifestyles of professing followers of Jesus has no distinction between those who follow Jesus and then those who do or don't follow Jesus. So here are some examples, okay? Materialism. Like, oh, here we go. Came to church for this. Just as materialistic, we are, I am. Followers of Jesus, followers who follow the kingdom of this world are just as materialistic. Our spending patterns are very much similar to those who don't follow Jesus. Our giving patterns, I think the statistic was in like 2018, 6% of following professing Christians actually tithe to the local church. 6%. And I don't even want to go into the statistic here in this church, but that's for another time. The giving patterns, is there a distinction? Is there? And I'm not even trying to like, I'm not after your money, by the way. We did a whole series on these. I'm not, that's between you and God. But the scripture makes it really clear that we are to be generous people. So when I say, let's look at the checkbook or the bank statement, me and Kelly are convicted of this all the time. I'm like, Kelly, we, I feel like we have lack, but no, 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 no. We, we have abundance. So then who can we bless in our community? What are things that we can do to take care of those that are in need? What are people that are giving sacrificially, that are in lack, and we are in gain, that we can give back? The church, the early church, the first church, when Peter preached his message in Acts 2, the scripture says that they gathered together, Acts 2.42, they gathered together in fellowship, koinonia, coin, in one accord, and they helped everybody according to their needs. And the scripture says that no one was in lack. That's the kingdom of heaven type of perspective. But what's the kingdom of this earth? I don't know. It's pretty materialistic, right? It's for me too. I'm convicted of this. Here's another one. We are just as sexually immoral. Again, I'm sorry. We just got to go there. The sexual sins of followers of Jesus, 
that are unchecked, undealt, could care less, they're just no big deal to us, are strikingly similar to those who follow the kingdom of this earth. Strikingly similar to the kingdom of this world and, and how we use our bodies. How do we use our bodies? What is your idea of sexuality, right? Almost strikingly the same for those who are practicing physical intimacy outside of marriage with those who follow Jesus and those who don't. There's not much of a difference. Do you guys hear what I'm saying there? So I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm single. I can do whatever I want with my body. It's sexual. Like, I'm good. Okay? Follower of Jesus. Non-follower of Jesus, what does it matter? I can do whatever I want with my body. I'm going to do as I please. I'm not married. I can do whatever. There's no distinction at times. And the scripture makes it really clear. The command of God makes it really clear. And you have to deal with that. I have to deal with that. We have to come to grips with those things. I've been processing this idea lately. I'm like, man, I get offended by the Bible all the time. I, I honestly do. Do you get offended by the Bible? Like, all the time. I'm like... Man, this, thing, this Bible, this book, it is so, but like, okay, is it my way or is it God's way? I've been telling myself that lately. Am I going to fully surrender with the songs that we sing on a regular basis? Do I really want to fully surrender all that I am to God? Is he Lord of my life or is he just Savior, right? We've talked about that before. Savior is like, man, he's come and he's conquered and I, I have him in eternal life. He's my Savior. He saved me. But what about being Lord? Like, man, I'm going to bow my, knee, my knees to you, Lord. So, man, okay, whatever you need of me, I, I'm, I'm your army now. I, I'm your guy. Do this, don't do this. It's not because it's, I'm, I'm so dogmatic, God I'm, God, I'm not a tyrant. That's not how God works. It's relationship. And the more that you love someone, the more you want to follow what that person wants to do in your relationship with them. So distinctions are interesting to me. Marriages, let's talk about marriages. Lord, help us. Just as likely to divorce for those that are followers of Jesus and those that are not following Jesus. That's terrifying. What are we doing wrong? Have you thought of that? I was a youth pastor for a couple of years, and youth is rough, man. Like, I mean, just pull up TikTok. Good luck with that. And they're on it all the time. And your little ones go on YouTube. And if it's not unchecked, YouTube is discipling your child. TikTok is discipling your son or daughter that's a teenager if it's unchecked. But as a parent, do you abide by the, the, the will of the Father or the command of the Father? Is your lifestyle as a follower of Jesus abiding in the mission in the kingdom of heaven or is there no distinction? Because if there's no distinction, then we're not going to raise our children according to the way of God. So the way we parent, there's not much of a difference. There's striking research that is continuing to come out that when a youth or adolescent, I talked about this, leave the home, okay? They're in their 20s. They leave the home. They begin to walk away from the faith. And there's many reasons for that. But it's like, okay, whoa. Like, this is a faith. I was talking to Kevin. There's a grace aspect, revelation aspect, to where you can't get your son or daughter to God or to heaven. But there's things that we can do to teach and train. I can't just stop with Lenya when she's in the bathtub. And you knock, 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 knock. I can't just stop there. <laughs> That's it's not what it's all about, Lenya. 
There's much more to this. So parenting and, and marriages and singleness and how we live our life, there's, there's a, a, a direct correlation to the way of this world and the way of the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but we cannot be okay with that. Like, are you okay with that? I know I'm not. I'm like, man, like, we got to pull up the hood of the car and just say, like, what is going on with the church? Like, what are we doing wrong? Right? Like, celebrity, pastor, all that kind of stuff. That's why I was, like, hesitant with the smoke. It's like, that's not, that's not us, you know? It's like, dude, we're not here to put on a show. Honestly, sometimes I'm like, why are people even coming to church? Like, I hope it's for good reason. And honestly, I'm like... <laughs> Life is just getting so hard for Kelly and I. Like, we're busy. For any parent, who has, like, children in the room? Can I just see your hand? Can I just tell the young adults, man, it's hard. I don't have the time like I did. I got to worry about my family, too. And I'm like, oh, man, are we, be, are we being discipled by Jesus? Is our church for that, or are we just for the one? Of course we're for the one, but it's, it's much more than that. How can you be for the one, truly for the one, if you don't even know the God that we're trying to show others? And is there a distinction when you meet the one, right? Hey, let me show you. Hey, well, why don't you talk like that? Oh, let me, man, I just, Scripture makes it clear. Don't let any unwickedness, don't let even any evil, don't let any unhealthy talk come out of my mouth. So I'm going to try hard on those things. Well, those are external. Okay, what about what's going on internally? So when I do life and community with people, I mean, you just, if you live with me for like a week or two, you'll see I am not perfect. Kelly can come up here and attest to that, honestly. Like literally, like I got so much work to do, right? We all have so much work. So it's like, okay, Jesus, am, am I really for you? Because if I am, I'm going to obey your command, and I'm going to abide in who you are. And when someone sees me, they will see a distinction. So how do I do that? What does that look like, right? So we, we cannot be okay with this. We cannot look just like the kingdom of this world. 1 John 2, um, 2 verse 15 says, do not, we read it, do not love the world or the things in the world. How does that sit with you? We know it's not to not love people, the Bible makes that really clear. John makes that really clear. We know it doesn't mean don't enjoy good gifts in this world. That's not what that means. We must not love the ways and the practices of a world that does not engage with the things of God. And like we have to have a, a, a really, really gnarly, like distinctive change and conviction in that. Sorry, the Orange County's coming out of me. I don't know why I said gnarly right there. So John is saying, the church should look very different, right? There should be a distinction. I want you to know the truth from my life, John's saying, for eternity. There is an assurance that you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you have eternity with God. You can know that this morning. But I want to be really careful, okay? I don't want to push against anyone's theology, but let's just break this down for a second. Maddie, a couple of weeks ago, talked about the fruit of the Spirit, right? There should be something in us that is different, right? So 
I don't know, only God knows. It's like when someone passes away, well, did they know God or not? I don't, that's between them and God. So where's your heart at then? I have no idea, but I do believe that it will eventually come out. Whatever's inside is gonna come out, right? So if you love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, that's gonna come out. Not only in the way that you act with God in your life, but the way you act with other people, right? So how do you know there are distinctions? I have four main thoughts for us, and then we're done today, okay? Four kind of questions. Are you trusting in Jesus alone as the Son of God and the Redeemer of your sin and brokenness? Are you trusting that? Right? So, by the way, you're going to sin. I'm sorry. That's just going to happen. And the, the, the goal in your own soul should be like, I, I want to just violently reduce this. I want to violently get rid of whatever this sin is, whatever this brokenness, whatever, whatever is separating you from, from God, from the image of God, that's what sin is. It's a separation, and it just distorts the image of God in you. That's what sin does. And if we're all honest, the more we practice whatever that sin is, the more it just eats us up alive inside. Anger comes out. Frustration comes out. Resentment comes out. Brokenness. Like, it's just, it's darkness. John says it's darkness. And he's like, I want you to be in the light, though. I want you to be consumed by the light. So are you trusting in Jesus alone? 1 John 5, 13 says, I write these things that you believe in Jesus. That's how you have eternal life. That's what he says. The apostle John says that to us this morning. He says, I write these things that you believe in Jesus, and that's how you have eternal life. So my question is, do you trust in God do you trust in Christ? And do you trust that he's forgiven you and he's redeemed you? Like, do you really own that? Do you really believe that? Because if you don't, then this, 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 this perpetual sin, this brokenness, these, this habak, hab, like, like this, this constant over and over and over becomes a habit. If you're not giving that up to God and saying, God, I, I'm like disgusted with this stuff. I don't want this in my life anymore. Can you help me? Can you redeem me? Can you give me wisdom and guidance? At the end of the day, though, he's the one that gives you grace for those things. He's the one that covers you of those things. So it's not by you being a better person that you're going to get to heaven or have eternity. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, do you trust in this Jesus? Do you trust that he's good and that he loves you and that he's for you? Trusting in Jesus as the son of God, are you living your life out in your everyday, ordinary life in such a way that you trust Jesus? That's hard for me sometimes. It really is. I'm like, man, I don't know if I am all the time. Oh, well, finance is hard. Or, oh, you know, I want to raise Lenya right in, in the world that we're living. It's just like, oh, God, help me. Are you trusting Jesus when, like, you're thinking those things, Sam? And I'm like, of course, but there's reality and there's faith and there's this, this working that I have to do. But ultimately, if I really believe this Bible, if I believe the God who wrote this Bible, if I believe the Spirit of God that, that inspired this book, then I ought to trust and lean on without my own understanding who he is. 
Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, I memorized it in vacation Bible school. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Trust is massive when it comes to following Jesus. And if we're not trusting, we ought to ask ourselves, am I really believing in this Jesus? And that's a work in itself. You got to work that thing out. You got to process it. It's like a muscle. You got you to work on that trust. Here's the next question. It goes a little harder, so I'm sorry. For me too, by the way. Okay, this is me. Are you obeying Jesus alone <laughs> as the way or the Lord of your life? Are you obeying him? Again, like I'm, I'm going back, but it says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, like this is really hard language. He says, you're a liar. John said that. I didn't. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he says, does not obey, does not live, does not practice, you are a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Really heavy, right? But man, like we can't be deceived then. I, I don't want to be deceived. I don't want... I don't want to like go to heaven and die, right? The scripture says to be asked from the bodies, to be present for the Lord. I don't want to get, oh my gosh, God, Jesus, this is so amazing. He's like, I, I never knew you, Sam. And I'm not, I'm not trying to doubt your faith here, okay? Because I don't think that. I'm just trying to give that as an analogy, okay? But has that even crossed your mind that you could, we could possibly, here in America, here in California, the culture's coming from Hollywood, is it possible that we could potentially be deceived? The way I live my life, is it in deception? Or am I actually following and living and abiding and obeying in the creator of the universe that came in human form, that walked amongst us, that died on a cross? We put him there. To say, and he rose from the dead. He guaranteed sin. He said, I'm done with sin. I've wrecked sin. I'm done. You are free now for the rest of your lives. Don't just try to get to heaven. Just know heaven's come to you. God, Jesus has come to you. So live in it. Abide in it. Walk in it. And let your everyday, ordinary life reflect that love that is within you. That's what I want for my life. I got a lot of work to do. I just don't want to be deceived. So, uh, have you examined your heart then? This is a, an examining of your heart. 1 John 2, 3 through 6 says this. 1 John 2, 3 through 6. I just read that. The liar part, right? Let's not do that. And if you trust Christ, you will obey Christ. You know what Christ means? It means little Christ. Christians, sorry, Christians mean the idea of Christianity, that I am a Christian, means that I am a little Christ. That that I'm an, I'm an apprentice of Jesus, that I'm following after what he said to do and how he said to live. Again, if we say we're disciples of Jesus, then we will obey and do what he did. Obeying in the Greek here is more so like desiring to obey. It's this longing, it's this yearning like, no, I just, man, I want to do good by God. Here's a third question. Are you showing the Lord, um, the love of God to others? Uh-oh. Here we go. Oh, see, and the music came on on that one, see? <laughs> Are you showing the love of God to others? 1 John 2, 7 through 11, it says this. 1 John 2, 
7 through 11. It says, dear friends, I'm writing you a new command, but an old one. Not a new command, an old one. And you've heard this from the beginning. This command is the message you've heard, yet I'm writing you a new command now. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates, hates, hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. And then verse 11, I'm skipping ahead. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. You know what really, really like just gets under my skin as a Christian? Like really, really drives me crazy. As a pastor, I'm like, oh God, I'm exhausted from people. Do you know what it is? It's when we claim Christ-likeness and we hate our brother or sister. Like I just, it irks me, man. Like it makes me so mad. If you know me, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I, 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 I don't care if I get taken advantage of, okay, publicly. I'm just gonna say this publicly. If I get taken advantage of, I'm, I'm following after Jesus, okay? Jesus was taken advantage of all the time. I mean, look at Judas. Look at Peter. He said, you're like of the devil, Peter. Get behind me, dude. Just taken advantage of by his own people. And he was put on a cross. And we put him up there. That's being taken advantage of. He did nothing wrong, by the way. So what was it that compelled him to love people? Well, of course, it was the love of the Father, but it was to show us how to love others well. And I, like, if, in my funeral, if they don't say, man, this guy, Sammy, he just, she was taken advantage of a lot, but he loved that, like, outcast. He loved the ostracized. He loved the person that didn't feel welcomed. When everyone else was not saying hi to him, he went up and said hi to that person. How dare we, gosh, and me, how dare we not love our brother and sister I'm sorry, I know this is a heavy word. You're like, thanks for coming. The VBS was great, but this is hard. Like, we can't, we can't get this wrong, church. The world looks just like us then if we hate our brother and sister. We've got to love this compelling nature, this light that overcomes us. So if you, if you have someone in your life that you have resentment for, you've got to cut that. You gotta work through it. You gotta process it. Like ultimately, you gotta be, don't be in denial of that stuff. Work through it. Ask for forgiveness. That comes by Jesus, by the way. And just because you ask for forgiveness doesn't mean you have to like, like the person. My dad would tell me all the time, Sammy, <laughs> I love you, but I don't have to like you. Have you ever heard that one? And I was like, that's pretty profound. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I love you, but man, sometimes I don't have to like you. But we ought to love people well, well. This one gets me. It's hard for me as a pastor. It really is. We love, we should love like Jesus loves. That's the massive distinction, by the way. Not in a weird way. Let's not be weird Christians, right? Seriously. But just in a way that's natural and it's open. And it's like, you know what, man? Like, I, I don't know if I can tolerate some of this stuff. I love you. But I'm surely not going to tell you, like, you're going to hell every moment I talk to you. Like, why don't you just walk life with me? Do life with me. Let the Bible, let the Bible speak out of the way I live. Let the love of the Father speak. I don't have to tell you I love you. I'll just show you I love you. And there's a reason John wrote this, by the way. This was, like, two millennia ago, okay? Why would he write this to the church then? It's like still the same thing now. It's the human condition. And I just, I just want to sit on this. I know I'm like a little over. I just want to sit on this for a moment. 
we can't become so self-righteous that we think we're better than the, the other person. Why, why are we doing that? And if I'm like that, like, lovingly slap me on the face and like, you know, like, dude, what are you doing? Please, I, I need to be called out on that thing. Because when you're overcome by love, by the love of God, man, when you start realizing his grace is for you just like it's for the other person, you, you, just, you just see things differently. You really do. Like when I go on social media and I see things on the left side of politics and the right side of politics, I'm like, what is going on with the church? I'm like, this person, I go on their bio, follower of Jesus. Just like cuss down a person on like the comment feed. Maybe it could be a bot, I don't know. But do you know what I'm saying? Like that's just kind of where I'm at with this stuff, you know? It's just like, man, we gotta be, we gotta be lovers of people. Like truly, we gotta love like Jesus loved, man. The scripture says that he welcomed sinners. He sat, in that culture, he sat down at a table with the prostitutes and the sinners. And he, he broke bread with them. And the, the self-righteous Pharisee said, who is this like guy? Who does he think he is? Sitting with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. I don't know, that's the type of person I wanna be. I just want to be overwhelmed with it. But I, I cannot allow the world to dictate how I live my life. Jesus was able to do that in confidence because he wasn't going to be overturned by other thought. He was able to sit at a table with those that thought very differently than him and still love them, but holding who he was as a son of God. And that requires a lot of work. So we love like Jesus. There's the distinction there. When Jesus who is eternal life and love is in you, his love will be in you. And then here's the last one. Here's the last one. Not just are you showing the love of God to others, but are you experiencing that love of God? Are you experiencing it, church? Jonathan and Gatto and I were talking last Sunday, and it's like, why aren't people engaging in worship? And I'm like, well, man, they might be thinking about, like, how much money they have to pay for gas after the worship set, <laughs> you know? Our mind could be all over the place. But like, if you really love God, if he's really done something in your life, if he's doing something in your life, why wouldn't we worship him? I mean, the scripture says David like danced naked before God. That's weird, right? But he was still dancing. He was like happy. They made fun of his wife, like ridiculed him, but he just had so much love for God. He just wanted to dance in front of him. He just was like, man, I could care less. And so if all the other gods are doing this, we're going to dedicate prayer 24 hours. And we're going to get all people. We're just going to worship Yahweh because he's so good to us. And David created that culture in Israel. What does that look like for you and your family and your home? Like worship. Like I just want to experience him. Not, not in over-emotionalism, but like, man, I just got to experience your love over and over and over again. But if you're only doing that, right, Jamar, if you're only doing that on Sundays, man, you're going to be like anorexic spiritually. And then, you, you know, and then we come in on Sundays and we get like our feed and it's like good, but we're like, so it's like a, 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 a like a, a fire hydrant just coming after us, the love of God, and we're like, can't even take it. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, oh, I'll read the Bible a little bit on, on Friday. And then Saturday comes, and then oh, I'm just going to like not love my brother and sister this week or whatever. They're just treating me wrong. And then we come to church, and we're like, yeah, you know, like the different songs. We're like this. We're like, we're like here. Have you guys seen those ones? 
I know I'm like, I'm not trying to be facetious, but I'm just saying, man, we, we ought to experience his love. I want you to experience his love for you. But the barriers, they, they have to fall. The conviction, sometimes it's a, it's a good thing. The scripture says he'll convict you, and then we turn from our ways. We repent, and we step into his goodness. But I just, I don't, I don't want to look like the world, man. I just don't. I don't want to look like the world. So here's my encouragement to you, all right? He says here, here's the reasons he's writing to the church. He says, because your sins have been forgiven on Christ's account. That's good news. He says, because you know who he is and who he was from the beginning. He says, because you've overcome the evil one. Every week we overcome the evil one. If you're here on a Sunday somehow, man, you overcame the evil one. Because it's even hard to get here to church on Sundays sometimes, right? Because you know the Father, because you know him who is it from the beginning, because you're strong. The word of God lives in you, and again, you've overcome the evil one. And that's, that's where we're at now. We have to step up as an army Get rid of the immature perspective of following Jesus and own and claim that we're ambassadors of Christ, not only to the community that we're in, but to the spaces that we, we go to every day in our work and in the grocery store. The mission of the kingdom of heaven should be known everywhere we go. But I want others to experience the love of God, yes, but man, I got to experience that. That love cup has to fill so love for God and love for the world cannot exist, church. I'm going to end with that, okay? I know this is a heavy one. This is a heavy one for me. Love for God and love for the world, they do not coexist. Either you love one and you don't love the other. The two masters of God, I used to tell the high schoolers this when I went to Chino High. There's two masters in this world, whether you like it or not. One is God and one is Satan. God is light. Satan is darkness. Pick which one you want to serve. And if you say, I don't want to serve God, then naturally you're going to serve darkness then. And it's the same thing for us. We cannot coexist with loving the kingdom of this earth, the things in this earth, and loving the kingdom of heaven. We can't. It's just not possible. We can't allow the things of this world to override the love that we have for God. So there is something here for you and for I, I'm done here, for you and I to contemplate, to process, to go to God with, it is your own salvation. You have to work it out, the scripture says. My job from God is just to present the word. I hope I did that this morning. And it's terrifying because I gotta like, I gotta be healthy too. We gotta be healthy, followers of Jesus. And, and like, man, like we just, we gotta be after this love. We gotta be after what he says. I do not care. I'm at a point in my life, I don't care that God says, don't do this and do this. I'm like, man, yes, because you're so good. You know why I shouldn't do that. So I'm just not going to do that. So wherever you're at this morning, as we, as we step into worship with these last couple songs, I just want to encourage you that the love for God, he's here and he's, he wants to, to know you more. God does. And the Father loves you so much. And I want you to experience that love. I want you to experience his grace and his goodness. I want you to have assurance that you, when you die, because we will, we will be in heaven together. But I'm going to work, I'm going I'm to do and follow him every single day. Amen?